0: that I spend in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I'm, I know that, see, this is August, the 1st of August. I think this is our third year anniversary isn't it? in this building. And I started Corinthians when we moved into this building. My first message in this new building was 1 uh, Corinthians. So uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're pressing on. <laughs> we're being pressed on. But as I looked at this text, um, we always know chapter Chapter 11. Okay, Why? We celebrate Lord's table. We've been in church before. Uh, We celebrate it. We know where chapter 11 is. Everybody understands it, and we we deal with that. But if you ask people about 1 Corinthians, what do you get out of it? When you ask the common person, what do you get out of it? And they will say, well, isn't that where the spiritual gifts things is dealt with? And isn't it dealing with this, and the role of a man and a woman, and all the rest of it? And I would argue, after the many days that I have read the book of 1 Corinthians... The key to the book is the text you're in right now. Okay, I believe that the whole of Corinthians pivots on this section, eleven seventeen through eleven thirty four, and I'll show you that in the months to come, in the years to come, because he begins in verse in chapter twelve, beginning with spiritual gifts. He deals with spiritual gifts all the way through fourteen. Okay, but the issue in spiritual gifts is always missed. But doesn't he say, don't forbid speaking in tongues and this, that and the other and all the rest of it. You missed it. Why? Because he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. But if you're not understanding the Lord's table, then you're pretty much ignorant. And I see that today. Two ordinances have been given to the body of Christ. Both were commanded. And yet the example was set by the Lord himself. Do we understand that? It isn't an option. We play with it. You can't play with it. He's non-negotiable. He says, you will be followers of me. What did he do? He was baptized. And he instituted the Lord's table. And I wonder in our society today, I wonder in this church, this body of people, what priority are those two ordinances? What priority is the Lord's table? What priority is baptism. And that's amazing to me when I really think about it. But I believe in the nature of man in his fallen state. The church has embraced that. Yes, I said it correctly. The church has embraced man's fallen state and has downplayed both the significance of baptism and the significance of the Lord's table. And it is almost an afterthought. And yet, if I think about it, the two things that I have been commanded to do is believers' baptism and partaking of the Lord's table. I shared with you that early church has four foundations that the church is. And let me tell you something. The church is the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? The four foundations are the apostles' doctrine, okay, service fellowship, The Lord's table and prayer. Think about in your life this day. What priority are those in your life? I think about Dr. MacArthur's church. They do not serve the Lord's table on Sunday mornings. He does not want to bring condemnation to those who are playing. That's what he says. Do you want to partake of the Lord's table? We do it on Wednesday nights. Occasionally during a baptismal service on Sunday nights, they may have one. But they will not do it when the bulk of the people will come. You want to see a church? You want to see the true church? You want to see the thriving church? It's Sunday night and Wednesdays. And I don't like to argue, you know, people say, well, where do you get that in the Bible? Well, I get that in the Bible. They were meeting every day. Okay, so we are seriously lacking. We are seriously lacking. But I have attended churches, been around, and what I have found is the people who have been approved you see faithful to the body. And they are the ones... I look at our church. The ones that God is using to influence souls are the ones who have been here on the Wednesday nights, have been here on the Sunday nights. Listen, I understand the world. I understand jobs. I understand priorities. I understand kids. I understand all of that stuff. People ask me, saying, well, you say it's a sin not to be in church? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of some... That's what the Bible says. But I see people who would rather spend time with lost relatives, lost friends, lost co-workers than they would with the redeemed of God. And I believe it comes out when you look at the church and you say, who has been here and who has done what? Who is, is is the Lord's table a priority? Or is it just a, ah, oh, daggone it, I need to get that little cup filled up this morning. That's right, it's the first Sunday and we need to get the crackers and all that other stuff. I see that. I see people hanging it on the end. Oh, We haven't had the Lord's table in a long time. We better be doing that. We better, or we'll do it every Sunday. Let's do it every Sunday. Why? Well, because they did it every Sunday, didn't they? No, they did it every day. Why? It's a priority. What you have here brings you, please understand this. I want to be specific. It brings you back to the night of Jesus' arrest and execution. You better get a hold of that. Because that's what this is. He has gathered His disciples in the upper room. They are having a Passover meal. Please understand, it ain't a cracker in a cup. There was a lamb that was killed. Okay? The Passover ordinance literally said, when Moses instituted it from God, you took the lamb and it lived with you for seven days. You know, the cute little fuzzy bundle of joy. That skips and your kids say, "Oh, that lamb is so sweet." And in seven days, dad cuts its throat, skins it, guts it, cooks it, puts its blood over the doorpost. What's up with that? That's how it started. That's what the Passover meal is. I mean, have you ever thought about? You ever seen little baby lambs? They kind of ding, ding 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 around. They they can't run. They can't jump. They just sort of bounce. Bing, 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 bing. I've seen them. Uh, I had a friend of mine who worked at a sheep farm, ranch, whatever you call them, and we used to go. <laughs> I'll leave that out. Um, but we would be there when the baby lambs were around, and they are just cute as can be. Nasty when they grow up, but they're cute. I mean, they're just little fuzzy buggers that you want to pet them. I remember uh, was standing on the hill that overlooked. Um, Bethlehem and there was a ditch that went down through the ravine or whatever you want to call it and this her- sheep herder came up and of course for I forget how many shekels he would give you a little lamb and you could hold the little lamb and get a picture of you holding this little lamb in Jerusalem okay and I watched this whole busload of people I was with prove P.T. Barnum <laughs> yeah. one born every minute <laughs> you're going to get a picture holding a lamb okay anyway But I I think about that, and that is what we were doing. That is what Jesus was coming together in that upper room with. Why? He's saying, God says, I want you to remember your exit from Egypt. I want you to remember that you had 400 years of slavery. You had absolutely no ability to release yourself, and I delivered you. I want you to understand that there was a series of plagues that I brought upon this nation. So they would release you. And the last plague they brought on themselves, the death of the firstborn. Do you understand that? The firstborn was the the ducks, the goats, the sheep, the cows, the children all died. And Israel, if you wanted to be passed over... If you did not want the angel of death. Now grab that. What he's telling you. The angel of death. The messenger Anglios. The messenger of death. You want him to pass over? Do as I say. Take a lamb. Spotless lamb. Cute little bugger. Have it stay with you for seven days. On the seventh day cut its throat, bleed it, cook it, eat it. Eat with unleavened bread. Make sure if you want the angel of death not to consume your firstborn that you take over the doorpost and the lintel and put the blood of that lamb and the angel of death will not stop at your home. That's what they're celebrating. They'd come together. They'd come together. And you know what? After that night, Pharaoh said, get out of my town. And you know what is amazing about that? Israel was released at that moment. They left Egypt never to go back. But you know what's amazing about that? That's just always amazing. Egypt has never been a world player, world power since that time. Israel protected themselves from the angel of death. God's messenger of death by like killing a lamb, putting blood around the door. It's a special meal. It was a festival. It was designed by God to commemorate God's deliverance of Israel. Eat this meal, sacrifice to God. Why? You're still going to kill a lamb. And you did it because you wanted to remember that God's angel of death passed over you it's key listen whenever the jew wants to go back and remember god as deliverer as savior do you know what it is it's the passover meal you know what yom kippur another high holy day is a day of atonement but you know what it has very little significance to the jewish community today why there's no temple There's no temple. We can't go do there. So they've kind of corrupted it and kind of do it their own way, you know, do a chicken or some kind of weird thing. But it basically is to forgive me, Lord, of any sins that I don't know about. Okay, that's basically what it is. It's not that big a deal. But I want to ask you a question. How many sins are in your life this day that you say, you know what, it ain't that big a deal and I don't really care about? And yet if it came to Lord, angel of death, I would prefer that he would do what? Passover. Passover me. Jesus is celebrating that. If a Jew today wants to understand the point of contact for a Jew today, the point of contact with a holy God, a merciful God, a Savior God, he does it at the Passover, at the Passover. God is Redeemer. He wants to remember God who delivered Him. He delivered us out of captivity. He delivered us out of bondage. He delivered us out of slavery. And I will partake of this meal. that God says, I want you to remember that I am a delivering God. I am an omniscient God. I am an omnipotent God. And you know it. And you will remember me by this meal. Even this day. The Passover celebrated Jews still remembering that point of contact with a saving God. Please understand that you've got to get a hold of this. The Passover meal is the first time that God, Jehovah intervened and said, watch what I do. They heard the stories. They knew about the covenants. They understood the promises of Abraham, understand the promises of Isaac and Jacob. They understand all of those. Yes, yes, yes. I understand. But all of a sudden for 400 years they're in... Not the promised land. God says, watch what I do. And for a Jew this day, their point of contact with the Savior God is Passover. You know what's tragic about that? They come together every spring for the Passover meal. And they walk right past the cross... In a trip backwards in time. Mark right past it. That very night, while the disciples were eating the Passover meal, in the setting of that anointed feast, the setting of that celebration, Jesus took that meal and he transformed it into a new meal, a new festival. He took the cup, he took the bread, and he made a tremendous transition. And he says, and you will do this in remembrance of me. Now then, if we look at the great point of redemptive God, where do you look? You want to see the point of contact with God, where do you look? It ain't Egypt, it's Calvary. It's Calvary. That is when God said to humanity, I am a redeeming, a delivering God. And that is my point of contact with you. All four gospels reference this evening. All four corners of the church have reference to this evening. The apostles doctrine, fellowship and service, the Lord's table, And prayer. Why would you pray? Go to Calvary. Why would you want to hear the apostles doctrine? Go to Calvary. Why would you want to fellowship with the saints and serve them unabashedly? Go to Calvary. Go to Calvary. That is the body of Christ. The Corinthians had perverted this. Let me ask you a question. It's going to be a self-evaluation message. Have you or have we seen the Lord's table as a priority? Have you, have we, looked at our point of contact with the saving God as the Lord's table? Have we? Do you come to Calvary? Let me share with you something. And, and I'll, I'll use it from two, two perspectives. One perspective is, death is not a judger of men. Death don't care whether you're rich, poor, tall, short, famous, infamous. Death don't care. Death just does not care. At Calvary's cross, there's no male, there's no female, there's no slave, there's no bond, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no racism, there's no sexism. At the cross... There is only one thing. Absolute, unabashed, uncontrolled, unwavering unity. That's all it is. There is a oneness in the cross of Calvary that you cannot reproduce. You can't manufacture. You can't fake it. And yet this church had divisions. It had factions. I shared with you last week that word that you see there in verse... um, 19 says factions. King James translates them as heresies. Heresy has to do with opinion. A group of people who have an opinion. Think about the Lord's table and how many opinions are there. But amazing thing, even in the perversion of what God has instituted, we get to see the documoi. Those who are approved. Through the factions, through strife, through what? People, you ever seen it? Grumbling and gossipers. Have you? ever? No, I'm the only one who's had to deal with it? Yeah, that's my wife. Okay, you've seen him. He's not wearing a jacket today. How can he be of God? He's not wearing a tie today. How can how can he be this way? How can he be this way? I was removing some concrete over at a place over here. I had a little quick job to do. And uh, the guy who owns this car dealership is a believer. And he looked at me and I was standing there with a pair of old tattered shorts and a sleeveless shirt and sweat and dirty and all the rest of it. And he looked at me and he says, your friend tells me you're a pastor. I said, uh, yeah. He says, you don't look like a pastor. I said, that's funny. He says, why? And I says, I don't walk like one either. Why? When you come to the cross, what is there? Let me t- share with you something. My job in the body of Christ is different than some of yours. But you know when you go to that cross, you're no different than I am. You know that? Because you must be approved of God. Have you ever read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15? Show yourself a worker, ducky moy. How? Rightly dividing truth. So you don't have to be ashamed. You know what's amazing about that text? Nowhere in that book does it say this is a pastoral epistle. That's something that you and I have created. This is for pastors. I don't need to read that. Truthfully, you will stand before God and give an account on how well you have handled Scripture. And if you're not handling it well right now, I know it, God knows it, and you're not approved yet. Thanks for telling me after I took the Lord's table, dude. Does that mean I'm gonna be sick and weak and dead? <laughs> there was in Corinth as today factions at the Lord's table. The oneness of the table had been perverted. There's no man, there's no woman, there's no slave, there's no free. The wealthy. Rich, poor. You know what? They even had the audacity Gentiles were given to Jews. How bizarre is that? There is a union of one another. There's a union of the Lord. Look around, brothers and sisters. Is that there? No, 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 no. I don't want you to go look at somebody else's church. I want you to look at you. And I want you to look around. I want you to look at Rich and Ryan, Kim, Sasha, Josh, Ed, Tama, Look at all of you. Is there... Is there a union? Is there a love that is so overwhelming it is not me? I mean, if you think about it, go to the cross. How could we be divisive about anything? How could we accuse anybody of anything? How could we not be forgiving? How could we... How how in the world... Can you have sibling rivalry at the cross of Calvary? How do you get that? How could you pick on people? How could you put a person down? How could you talk behind somebody's back? How could you bring an accusation against somebody when you think about Calvary? And I think that the problem is the same today in our church as it is in the church in Corinth. What's the priority of the Lord's table? Listen, it was a big enough priority that God was willing to execute people. I never seen Him execute anybody for not being baptized. I did see uh, somebody lying to the Holy Spirit. That's another message. You would have rich and you would have poor, you would have plenty, you would have nothing, and they would come together at this occasion. They were separate from the world and they were all one. Think about it. Um, the little note that I get ready to you from Valeri. Uh, you said you would sell your possessions. Okay. Barnabas had some land. You know what he did? He sold it. You know what he did with the money he made on the land? After he paid capital gains? You know what he did? He gave it to the church leadership. What? He gave it to the church leadership. Why? Because God said, these men, I have documented. I have approved. How many of us do that today? I shared in my Sunday school class that the church in America was truly what she was. There would not be a financial need in the body of Christ globally needed right now. Period. The assets of this country in Christendom literally could affect the whole world's needs, period. Scary. This was a social occasion, but it was an occasion that was separated from the world. It was an occasion where any and all differences were obliterated. There is no difference. There's no age difference. There's no generational difference. There's no educational difference or non-educational difference. This non-existent. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no Greek. There's no barbarians. It's all one, all one. And yet, what the Corinthians were doing, were literally trying to put up the barriers. Let's build walls. He's already dealt with it in chapter three. Why? You're letting your flesh rule. You've been saved from your flesh. Didn't you know that? Why? What happened to Calvary? Paul puts it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Listen, if you go back to the cross, if you go back to this thing with the little cup and the little cracker, do you really understand what you're doing? You're saying that in this blood and in this body, there is one. My opinions, my ways, my attitudes, my plans, my desires, my wishes, my passions are all dead. They're all dead. Why? I'm at the cross. They were building these walls, there was a lack of obedience. There was a lack of saying, do you understand what you're doing when you come and partake of the cup and the bread? You don't understand it. Look at verse 20. Therefore, you know what that means, right? Because there's factions like King James, because there's heresies, because there's groups of people with their opinions, because of that, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's table. When you come together, it is impossible for you. Here's what Paul's saying. It is impossible for you to be eating the Lord's table. It's impossible. There's no way. You might think that what you're doing is the Lord's table, but Paul's saying, I got news for you. You may be drinking of a cup. You may be saying some really cool words, but it is not the Lord's table. The Lord's table is more than the sacrament. The Lord's table is the unity with His death. Matt read Romans 6. I have been buried with him. Okay, so I can walk into what newness of life. It's impossible to have the Lord say supper when your hearts are like you have. It's impossible. You may be going through some tradition. You may be going through some ritual, but it is not the Lord's table. I wonder how many of this day just did a ritual. He says, you can't have a heart like yours and go through that. Look at verse 21, what it says. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. Okay, now I shared with you that there was a love feast. Okay, and then there was the Lord's table and it would immediately follow. Why? It was the people, the love feast. Do you understand what that word means? It is a festival of agape, a feast of agape. That's what it means. It means that I'm loving in such a way that I don't care. I'm going to bring the best side of beef barbecue that the world has ever presented and I don't care if all you can bring is a can of pork and beans. But we're going to eat feast. Why? Because my love, my God has blessed my blooming socks off and I am going to bring this piece of meat and we're all going to eat until we all look like a bunch of little Baptist preachers. <laughs> right? No short of fat people. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? It's a love feast. Why? Because we're going to step right in from the love feast to what? The unity that the cross offers. He says, you guys are eating first. You know what that is? The people who have, we're trying to get the best eaten up first. Paul said, what kind of potluck is this? I said, one is hungry and another is drunk. One's been there too long and one got there too late. And you're calling it love. You're calling it unity. Do you know in Jude chapter... Chapter? In Jude 12, if you find chapter 12, throw that Bible away. In Jude 12, it says that you have reefs in your love feast. You know what a reef is, right? You can't see it. It's just a water looks good and you're cruising along having all kinds of fun. And all of a sudden, what? You end up shipwrecked. He says you have those false teachers is who he's talking about. You have people who cause division. You have people who are trying to despise the body of Christ, who despise the people of God, and they are in your love feast so that they can shipwreck people. That's what the apostle Paul says. You're not eating the Lord's table. You're not eating the Lord's supper. One is hungry and poor. You've got extremes going on here. You call this love? You call... How can you have love if there's envy, there's jealousy? How can you celebrate the common union, the common unity of the saints? Go back just a little bit to chapter 10, verse 16. 10, 16. Look at that one. Remember that one? We taught on this one. Is not the cup of the blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body in the body of Christ. See, he's already laid it out. It says it's a, it's a one thing. There's one with the body. There's one with the blood. There's one with the bride of Christ. Look at verse 22. What? Wow, this is amazing stuff here. I mean, when I think about him starting out, I do not praise you in verse 17. Then he gets in here. He has what? What? And it's, it, it's written in the original language. He's like, are you an idiot? I mean, that's literally how he's told. Totally, you know, chapter 10, I've already told you that the, the Lord's table was for the unity to show something. They will know you are Christians by your love for one another. You call that love? You call that love? Basically, what is what am I to think? How am I supposed to grab this thing? Because you don't have a house, or you don't have no place to go pig out. You don't have a place to be gluttonous. You don't have a place to go get hammered. That's basically what he's saying. You don't have a place where you can go show your self-centeredness in private. You don't have a place where you can be so self-absorbed that no, so self-absorbed that nobody else sees what you're doing. That's basically what he's saying, brothers and sisters. If you're going to act this way, go someplace else. Remember he already said, I'd rather you guys not meet together. That's pretty impressive for Apostle Paul. I'd rather you guys not have church. Here's what he's saying. Verse 22. You do not have the houses in which you eat and drink? I mean, he's asking a stupid question. Ain't you got some place to go party at? Look what he says next. Or Do you despise the church of God? You turn the fellowship meal into a gluttonous drinking party to show your self-centeredness. Maybe it isn't that you don't have a house. Maybe you just don't have nowhere place to party. Maybe you despise the church. Maybe you're trying to hurt her. Maybe you're trying to destroy you, destroy her. You ever thought about that? This that Jesus paid for with his precious blood, you despise, you would destroy. Think of this. You see somebody in a church that's divisive? You despise the church? Go tell them that. Duck. Okay, don't tell them I told you to tell them. Listen, I've had to deal with this way, 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 way too much. <clears throat> when the seeds are sown of disunity, do you know what they're saying? I despise the church of God by their actions. By their actions. Perhaps this is what is in mind in Galatians 6.1 where it says, you who are spiritual, see any brother in any trespass, do what? Bear their burden. Look what else he says here. Do you despise the church of God? Perhaps you want to shame those who have nothing. Maybe you just want to embarrass poor people. Maybe that's what you're trying to do. Okay? Because either you don't have a house, or you despise the church, or you're trying to embarrass the poor. Here's how I would write it. Either you don't have a house, or you hate God, or you hate people. Think about it. Paul comes to this conclusion. What shall I say to you? You ever thought about that? I, I, I mean, that, well, you just kind of cruise across that. When I read that, Paul is sitting there going, what can I say? What can I say? I mean, have you missed... Completely? Because in verse 23, he says, This I received from the Lord. This isn't, you know, I, I think this would be kind of cool. We'll just take the Passover meal and we'll kind of twist it a little, tweak it a little bit and we'll make this really cool and it'll look kind of a Jewish church. He's saying, No, I got this from the Lord. I got this from the Lord. And you have done what with it? And he says, What am I going to say to you? What do I say? I have been there almost two years. It ain't like this should be new to you. Shall I praise you? The church is one place where rich poor should be able to commune together and love each other. Completely unrefrained. Unrefrained. But we pervert it. You guys may have heard me joke about the holy kiss. Okay, what is a holy kiss? It's the opposite of an unholy kiss. It's not complicated. How many people do you see doing that? Okay, go to Russia. You see it all over the place. <clears throat> Freaks you out. Boris. <sighs> you caught me. Shoot. <laughs> Standing there on guard. Just <clears throat> love you, Boris. Dude, what's up? Okay? Probably wouldn't bother me as much if it had some teeth. But anyway, <clears throat> Paul says, what am I going to do? But when you think about this, the church is where I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how uneducated you are. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care your social status. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what you don't do for a living. I don't care whether you can't get a job. You can't hold a job. In the body of Christ, there is no barriers. Period. Um, <clears throat> when I went to the... uh was in Israel. They have divided the western wall in half. The women are on this side. The men are on this side. Okay? Everybody has to wear one of those that it has got. And if not, they'll give you a little paper one that you kind of stand there and hold on while the wind blows around. Okay? Why? And then they look at me and they say, there's a Gentile. Okay? And they will... I was at a high holy day. You've got to understand that. Okay? uh And, and they're all moving out of my way because they don't want to be touched by no Gentile. And I look at that and I think about Ephesians 2, where Paul says, you know what? It's all shattered. Everything that you ever dreamed of is gone. He says, here's a mystery. Here's a mystery that could never be grasped. You know what it is? Jews and Gentiles are one in Jesus Christ. You know what? Under Judaism, you can proselytize a Gentile and bring him into Judaism, but he could never go in to the region of the temple sacrifice. Okay? They had an area in the temple for Gentiles. They had a little nasty place for women, had a place for Gentiles, and then you had the Jewish men who went forward. God says, I'm blowing all that apart. It's all apart. Why? Because of that cross. That cross that death. Everybody's equal. Everybody's equal. You can be talented, you can be untalented. You can sing, you can carry a bucket and not carry a tune. It doesn't matter. You're all one, you're united. Jesus was very clear about this, the apostles were very clear about this. And the, the church's pattern has always been that you share everything. You know what it tells me <clears throat> that you are to share your wealth with he who teaches you? It's what the Bible teaches. You're supposed to share the wealth with the one that has taught you. To what degree? To what degree have they taught you? Why? Because if you're really taking the teaching, then you're going to be overwhelmed with love. And it's going to be sharing because I love them. I think about what the church does to pastors. Okay? In Colorado today, the average term for a pastor is three to five years, and they're gone, okay? Now, I understand in some cases the pastors need to be gone, okay? But it tells me in First Thessalonians chapter 5 that it is the congregation's responsibility to know those who have authority over them in the word, in the Lord, Okay? And the church has completely perverted that. Why? Well, he didn't call me. He he didn't send me a letter. He didn't give me a number. He didn't he didn't wave at me when I was walking across the street. Why? He's supposed to know me. Well, to a point. But if I have love, then I'm gonna to get to know him or her, whoever's shepherding. Whoever's leading me, whoever's strengthening me, who's f- preparing the banquet. You now, people ask me, so Well, are you a, you're a preacher. I said, No, I'm a table waiter. God gives it to me over here. I try to carry it out and get it on the table. <laughs> that's, that's it. Okay? If you eat, that's your responsibility. I just get, here's what God has prepared, and I pray that I can get it over here and get her set down without spilling anything. Paul speaking to this church says, "You don't have love for one another." I mean, in Galatians chapter two, verse ten. I mean, Galatians is a nasty letter. I mean, them people. Okay, I mean, you can summarize Galatians and say, "What you began in the spirit, you're not perfected in the flesh." I mean, that summarizes Galatians. He basically said, "You got saved and became awful." Okay, But even in Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. See, the church is one place where barriers should be broken. Absolutely gone. Discarded. There should be... I'm not concerned about who's an employee or an employer. It shouldn't matter whether you're a Gentile or a Jew. It even shouldn't even matter whether you're a barbarian or a Scythian. Okay? I mean, even... Titus got stuck with the Cretans. And we all know what nasty people they are. If you don't believe me, read Titus. But he says it doesn't matter. There shouldn't be worry about whether you're a man or a woman. It shouldn't be worried whether you're educated or not so educated. Every barrier that exists should be gone. Should be non-existent. To me, this text, 18 through 22, gives me two things. One, Lord's table should be something That is oh so important. The Jews to this day celebrate the Passover. And it takes them back to where God was their deliverer. The Lord's table should be so important to you. That it is the focus of your mind at every breath you take. So that you understand your point of contact with the Lord Jesus Christ was the cross of Calvary. And you were crucified with him. Okay, please understand that. You didn't crucify yourself. You were crucified with him. Second thing that I get out of this, I'm going to be real careful how I deal with the church. And be sure that I'm not a divider. When you come to the table, when you come to the fellowship of the saints, you better not be coming with an agenda. But I don't care whether it's sexist, it's racist, it's cliques, it's self caring. You're perverting the fellowship, you're perverting the Lord's table, and you're no different than these Corinthians. We come to fellowship. We come to worship. We come to celebrate our unity. Do you know that? Do you know that when you come to a Bible study, when you come on Wednesday night, when you come on Sunday night, when you come whatever you come... Do you understand that you're coming and celebrating your unity? You're showing the world that we're unified. We're the same mind. We are the same judgment. We are the same Savior. We think alike. We act alike. And we are dependent and desperate for one another. That's what the Lord's table is. So when we come to fellowship, when we come to celebrate our unity, when we come to worship, let it be pure. Let it be real. Yet... We must also allow the Holy Spirit in His plan, in His providence, allow the dividers. Because they will come to purify us. They will come to strengthen our unity. They will come to prune us. They will come. But don't you be the one who starts it. Let us think about Thessalonians chapter 1, 1st Thessalonians chapter 1. Do I have a labor of love? Okay, The word labor there is a veterinary term used in secular Greek and it literally means to tear a horse's shoulder muscle because it was reaching out in a run so hard that it tore the muscle. That's the labor that he speaks of. Okay, Does my love do that? Am I willing to tear my heart muscle? To love those who are unlovable? Am I a participant? Paul puts it this way a work of faith, a work of faith. And do you have a hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ? Because all of those are wrapped up in what you, most of you, know as communion. It's the Lord's table. Hanging on that cross, was His body stretched in a labor of love? Hanging on that cross, did He have a faith that worked? Not my will, Father. Yours be done. How about a steadfast hope? Yo, dude... <laughs> if that's okay. catch you in a minute dad but it wasn't pretty when you partake of the Lord's table you are remembering his death for you Okay, please make that clear make it specific make it priority he didn't die for me he didn't die for this people he didn't die for a missionary he died for you so that I can partake of the cup and partake of the body. His blood, His body. Broken and spilled for me. What agenda did I carry into that one? And yet I, I know this very day some took up the table with an agenda. They're not unified. But now you will walk from this place without an excuse. But the documoi will be evident to all. Let's pray.